I invite you to stand for the reading of the Word and through the prayer following. We're in verses 24 through 27 of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. That's where we start. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. This is the Word of God for the people of God. God. Amen. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come this morning with our hearts uh, ready for Your Word. The songs, the worship, the fellowship, the testimony of our brother, all these things, Heavenly Father, and the witness of Your Holy Spirit, I ask that You would right now speak to us. Let this message fall on fertile ground and grow into a good crop. I ask this in the name of Jesus, Heavenly Father, that Your Word would come forth now and we would be amazed at Your wonder. Amen. may be seated. Well, I guess you know what season it is. If you don't, I will tell you it's March. And um, regionals happen. And semifinals and quarterfinals, and you hear the words like Sweet 16, and it's not referring to a birthday. The Elite Eight, the Final Four, the Championship, March Madness. Basketball playoffs, high school, college, people tune in, they want to see who's going to make it all the way. We root for two teams here, I didn't know if you knew that. The Carlisle Comets and the Mayfield Cardinals. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully in that order, but some may have the order otherwise, understandably, because uh, it's all about family. But I've got to ask you a question, and I don't mean just for uh, basketball season, but for any uh, sport. What happens if someone who is on the court gets hurt? What do you think happens? They tend to them, right? Okay, then what happens? Then they replace them. Why? Because they can't play. They're not in the game. They need some time to rest and recuperate. You know, I asked someone one time that question, what happens when somebody a player gets hurt? They said, well, they put a new guy in. I said... Well, there's some other stuff that happens before that, and you all picked up on it real quickly, that we tend to the one who's hurt, and the game stops. The whistle blows, time out on the floor. This is more important. Why? Because life is not a game. And a game is not life. In Romans chapter 6, it talks about our life and how it's changed. 
And in, in verse 3, it starts out, Do you not know that many of us, as we're baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man, this is where we're going to go today, our old man was crucified with Him that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Now, when it says that the old man is crucified and there's a newness of life, if the old man is crucified, somebody else has to step up. Obviously, if the person's no longer on the playing field and the old man's gone, there's got to be someone to take his place. Here's what we say in sporting arenas when someone can't go anymore. Next man up. Next man up. But who makes the call who the next man is? Is it the player themselves? Say, coach, put me in. You know, this guy got hurt, put me in. He says, you're just a kicker. (laughs) And we need someone to run the ball or someone to block and tackle and you don't only know how to kick. So it's not the player who decides, it's the coach, isn't it? Who decides who's next to go in the game. Now Adrian gave us a short testimony about who's next to go to Nicaragua. And do you think Adrian would have chose that three years ago? Not even likely. He would have said, that's for funky people who believe in Jesus to do stuff like that. But now he says, coach called me, I'm going. I trust coach to make a way to provide and let it happen. The coach decided who the next man up was for Nicaragua. And it's my friend Adrian. A brother in Christ. But did you know as soon as God calls you, He's calling you to the game? He's not calling you to sit and watch and learn. He's asking you to do something. In Colossians chapter 3, He talks about this. And he gives practical instructions. It's a rather lengthy reading, but let me share it with you. I think you'll appreciate more how Paul words this here. Beginning in verse 9, he says, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man, there it is again, that one's gone, with his deeds, and have put on the new man, that's the next one up, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So you're having a new mind. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore is the elect of God, holy and beloved, here's the instructions, put on tender mercies. This is our attitude. Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, and then practically Bearing with one another. Sometimes we don't want to bear with people. And forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Old men don't do that. The new man in Christ does this. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Not anxiety, anger, anything else to which you were called 
in one body and be thankful. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, whatever you say or whatever you happen to act upon, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. He's called you to that. He's called each one of us to that. And that's important for us to understand that He's saying, do something. Do all that you do, giving thanks to Jesus. Now why do I say do something? Because anything for Jesus is better than sitting idly by, watching the world deteriorate and lose hope. Something for Jesus is better than nothing for nobody. But we we don't always know what to do. And so the practical instructions are there. Stop bearing grudges. Forgive. Let peace be in your heart instead of anger or resentment or anything else. Paul is being very clear. And, and it's not the only place he does it. He doesn't just share it to the church of Colossae. He also shares it to the church at Ephesus. And he gives more practical instructions, also saying something, if you will, about the old man. Please understand, old man in this reference is the you that Christ came to take away and put a new life in you. That's the old man. Some folks go, uh, that's not how I understood old man. But in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, it starts off with the old man. It says that you would put off concerning your former conduct. That means there's a change in how you behave. And you're putting off the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed, here it is again, in the spirit of your mind. Your thinking has to change. And then you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. God's clothing you with this new man, new person. You are a new creation in Jesus Christ. Therefore, he goes on to say, putting away lying, here's the instructions, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. We, knew, we learned who a neighbor was a couple weeks ago. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. If you go to bed and sleep angrily, you're not using the new man. You're letting the old man fester and you're going to wake up uh, bitter still rather than rejoicing. Do not give place to the devil. We always say, I'll never give place to the devil, but that's not true. The devil sneaks in and we, we find out he's got a place and we need to kick him out of it. Let him who stole steal no longer. Rather, let him work. Let him labor. Working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Hear this carefully. The reason we work is to bless others first. That we have something to give to God and others. Our labor isn't for our own enjoyment. It's to bless God's job is to bless us with what we need. Our job is to bless others. The old man doesn't see it that way. That thinking has to change. That's old man thinking. And a lot of folks never think that that's old man thinking because it's so familiar still. So let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, 
but what is good for necessary edification or building somebody up, that it may impart grace to the hearers. How do you find grace to give? And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit is who's making you this new creation. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another. How is it that practical instructions have to remind us what we teach kids in in kindergarten and first grade? Be kind to each other. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you. Did you know God is very tender-hearted to you? Forgiving, gracious. So put off the old one. Put on a new man. If you have not yet put on the new man or taken off the old one, you will not have the desire to do something. You'll want to get something, receive something, or God to bless something of yours, but to do something to bless someone else will not be in your thinking very often. Not unless you see a need right away rather than looking for one. And here what you can do to figure that out if you know that you belong to Jesus is ask God to show you what He wants you to do. God loves when you ask. He delights in using you to do His work. He's looking for people to do His work. But He's not going to pull your arm, twist you, or otherwise manipulate you into doing that. He wants you to do it because you understand that His ways are much better. That His thoughts and how He sees things are much greater. In Romans chapter 12, it says we need to discern the will of God. He says, I beseech you, brothers, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable to God, which is reasonable service. And do not, and here's the mind again, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change your thoughts, your thinking, and how you see things. Change it to the way God does. That you may prove, this is why you change your mind, have God cleanse your thoughts and give you His thoughts, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, we're always trying to figure out, God, what's your will for me? But if you're still thinking the old thoughts and not letting the old person that you were die off and be new life in Christ, it's hard to figure out the will of God because your mind's still thinking about, uh, well, here's what I should do in these things, but not saying, God, what do you want me to do? What is new in me? What gifts have you bestowed upon me that I can use those? Some of you know I play guitar a little bit. And occasionally I sing a little bit when I play. But you will not hear people request me to come lead worship. I have never, I promise you, ever been invited to a large church or church of any other side to say, come, will you play your guitar and sing for us and lead worship here? I've never gotten that. But I have gotten invited to speak. Because God has given me a different gift than what He's given Luke Nichols. He's given a different gift to me than He has 
to others. But all of us have been gifted. God has poured out gifts upon you when you became His. To learn those, discern those gifts, is to begin to say, God, how can you use me? What have you put in me that you want me to use for you? This is a question we need to ask. But discerning the will of God only comes after your mind has changed thinking. Not what can I get out of it, but what can I give out of it? Not what can I get, but what can I do? Where, where is the need, not what do I need? And that brings us back to our text for today. It says everyone runs the race. But only one receives a prize. And I, I was thinking when Paul said that, well, that means that only one person is going to win the race of Christianity. We all might as well just all come in second. It doesn't matter. We don't get a prize. But that's not what he's saying. Hear very carefully. He's not saying that you don't get what God says you're going to get if you believe and follow Christ. What he's saying is, is that you run the race like there is only one prize. And that prize is worth everything. And the race is the most important thing that you'll face. Amen. That you will not let your old way of thinking deter you from thinking that God's way isn't important. You are not done yet. When you belong to God, you are not done yet. There's a lot of loving left to do, giving and serving left to do. If you look through Scripture, the word retire doesn't happen, but martyr does. The end of your ministry is when you're dead. I heard a pastor say on his retirement day from conference, I've learned that the word retire isn't in the Bible. And I will be available to serve anyone, anywhere, anytime until I can no longer. And I said, he understands the heart of God. That there may be a time when you don't do certain facets of ministry, but you're always available for God to use you for whatever He needs you for. I understand the, the way the world sees retirement is this. That it's a time of life when you sit back, relax, enjoy, and go on cruises. Travel. Do all the things you wanted to do. If that's the case, then why are we so darn tired when we're that age? Why are we so worn out from life that all we can do is barely sit down and talk? The golden years! If only we knew that our golden years are the years when we're able and not the years when health becomes a commodity that we can't get back. God doesn't want us to rest. He wants us to work. I asked you at the beginning, what happens when somebody played in the game gets hurt? What did you think? Did you think, well, time to get a new player in there? Or did you think, it's time to stop the game and let the coach get the man healed? And who is it that's trained to do the administration of what that hurt person needs? Is it the coach? It's the one on the team that's the medical assistant. The one who understands those things. Listen, 
Here's how we are in our faith. And we're kind of like this situation. I think you'll appreciate this. God, my neighbor needs help. Go help him. And God's saying, I put you next to him because you're my next man up. (laughs) You're my neighbor needer. You get to help him. I'm not the one doing it. I'm the one delegating. And if I don't delegate, then it won't get done. I've raised you up. I've given you gifts to help your neighbor in this area. Go. And and we go, uh, well, God, but I'm not going to have what I need if I give that to my neighbor. And God's looking and going, who said that? I never said that. I never coached that into you. That mindset is not from your heavenly coach. Your heavenly coach says, I will bless you and give unto you as you bless and give unto others. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all this other stuff will be added. For it is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He wants to give you the kingdom. And we're complaining or worried about this momentary moment of, I don't know if I have enough right now. And God says, i got a kingdom. Why are you worried about a little bit? Go bless what you have and your oil vat will not run out and your flour will not be gone. It happened once. God will do it if it's needed again. He's a God who is loving, gracious, giving, and tender-hearted. He's not mean. He doesn't hate you. He's not judging you. He's trying to encourage you and lift you up and build you up to be what you are made to be. So when the person gets hurt, our hearts break. The time stops and, and we look and we see what's going to happen. Are they going to get up on their own power? Or, or are they going to have to cut them off? Is he going to limp off? What's going to happen here? And, and for a moment we hold our breath. But do you know that no matter what, when play stops, someone helps that person to the sideline. Somebody helps them. Even if they're limping, there's someone there because He's broken. We're called to be the ones to go to the broken people, the hurting people, the lonely people, the people who have fallen in the game who they think it's a game until someone comes along and says, time out. You're hurt. Let's get you to the place where healing can happen in the arms of a loving Heavenly Father who then says, okay, We've got the medical assistant here. This is what needs to happen. And he directs what needs to happen. And then the coach says, Alright. Diane off the bench. Debbie off the bench. Marty off the bench. You're up. And, and you might be sitting there going, but, but I don't know what I can do. God, I, I, I'm not ready. But the coach says you are. Mm-hmm. By calling you his child. By putting you on the team. By saying you are a new creation, your mind just doesn't believe it. But God will never call you to fail. God only calls you to succeed. So you're not done yet. Now my question for you is, are you willing to step up to help however it is needed? Mm-hmm. However the coach calls you. Here's a better way to ask that. Where is God using you? 
If you don't know, you need to be a little more insistent with the coach and say, put me in. Not how, where is God using you? Where are you refusing to follow His lead? There are many opportunities to serve at this church. How are you serving God here? One of the greatest problems I'd like to have is too many volunteers. People stepping up. I've never had that problem. Now, how are you serving God elsewhere? Sometimes God calls you outside the church to minister in different ways. And then you're coming to church to learn and grow and be edified so that you can go and do the same for others. And this morning, we take communion. We're thanking Jesus for all He's done. Would we dare have the audacity to say, I don't want to do anything for you? I believe it's your turn to say, I'm getting off the bench and into the game. I'm stepping up to the plate. I'm getting on the field and I'm intent on contributing in any way the coach decides for me. No matter what it is. Says the psalmist, I would rather be a doorkeeper or a foot washer or a box carrier or an usher a song leader in the house of God than to enjoy a moment away from God for my own selfish pleasures. You're not done yet. Qualifications for serving God are breathing. The second one is willing. When district superintendent appointed me here, and reappointed me here when he reappointed me here. Here's what he said, and he said it to every other pastor. Thank you for saying yes. And to those who work so hard for Christ, I want you to know that he says thank you for saying yes. And I promise you, if you want to work for God, He'll put you to work. Amen. Here's a quote I leave you with, and I think you'll like this. Our business is serving others in the kingdom of God. I heard a man say that one day. He said, my business is serving others in the kingdom of God. The problem is lately I haven't been showing up to work. About you. You're showing up? Getting in? You're just watching? Not sure? <coughs> All these things, if you're not in, doing the work of the servant in God's kingdom, tell you that you've got to say, God, put me to work. Show me what you want me to do. Show me the gift things, and I'll do what you ask me to do. I'll be honored. Would you pray with me? God, I ask this morning as we 
have worshipped and heard a story of a man whose heart was completely changed because of the work you're doing. Forsaking all to follow you. And God, for some of us, it's that like, wow, that's, that's incredible, that's amazing, that's a lot. And, and God says, that's no less. No less than the ass of each of us. And why is it the one who's doing that seems like they're doing something astounding and out of the ordinary? God, your people do that. And if we're not doing that, Heavenly Father, help us to have a new mindset. That the old man would die out. And we'd start thinking about blessing, loving, serving as our only thoughts. Thank you, Lord, that you have made it possible because of the grace of Jesus Christ. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, I ask you to raise us up. Amen.